You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. We need to pray for our missionaries. This time of year, we think about our missionaries far from home, far from family and friends, walking through the holiday season, the Christmas season. And we know that as they go through this time of year, without question, they experience homesickness, They miss their family, perhaps miss their Christmas traditions. So we need to pray for our missionaries that are on the other side of the world, far, far from here. But there's another reason we ought to pray for our missionaries this time of year. Do you know what most of our missionaries are doing this time of year? They are getting ready to invite neighbors, acquaintances, friends to their house for Christmas parties. This is a a strategic time for missionaries all over the world. Because as they celebrate Christmas, they invite others into their traditions, into their home, into their family, so that they can teach them in the context of that celebration what Christmas is all about. So if you think about missionaries this time of year, you need to pray for them as they invite others to celebrate Christmas, that they would be able to impart and share what the true meaning of Christmas is all about. Because as we'll see in our text this morning, Christmas is for us. We gathered today and sang these wonderful Christmas carols and Christmas songs. But Christmas is not just for us. It's for everyone. And you and I should have a zeal that everyone might experience Christmas the way that we do. We experience Christmas as those who know the Christ. And that makes all the difference, amen? So keeping that in mind, turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke. We are working through a sermon series titled, The Great Announcement. We're focusing our thoughts on Luke chapter 2, verse 10. We're going to begin reading in verse 1 to kind of establish the context, but our our focal verse will be verse number 10. I want to ask you this morning, if you are physically able, to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. 
The Bible says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Two weeks ago, we talked about the content of that good news. I bring you good news of great joy. Last week, we talked about how the good news produces great joy. The angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. Now look at this next phrase. That will be for all the people. This morning I want to to meditate on this phrase, all the people, and unpack what's found in this phrase. Let's pray together this morning. Father, you are great and glorious. We are so privileged, Lord, to be here in your presence, worshiping you, experiencing you through your word, applied to our lives by the Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that in these moments, you would move with power, touch our hearts, change our lives, change our trajectories, do a mighty, mighty work. Help us, Lord, to understand the import of this phrase, all the people. And we'll thank you and praise you for that grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, as we've said, the good news of great joy is for all the people. I want to share with you what this phrase, all the people, includes. First of all, this phrase, all the people, includes people from every station in life. We see that in the text. Every station in life, including those who were outcasts. Notice what it says there in verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by Night. Verse 8 mentions the shepherds. And this pericope, this unit of Scripture, starts with shepherds and it ends with shepherds. Verse 20, Daniel mentioned that earlier. It ends with the shepherds uh, experiencing the Christ child on holy ground and then going back rejoicing over what they had seen and heard. So this passage of Scripture starts with shepherds and it ends with shepherds. Now, shepherds in the first century were poor. They were looked upon with suspicion. They were excluded by the religious. 
they were, they were low on the ladder of, of social prominence. Hendrickson and Kistemacher say this, the very first proclamation of the fact that the Messiah had actually been born was made to poor and downtrodden shepherds. They were indeed a despised class. Not only was it difficult for them because of the very nature of their occupation to observe all the regulations of the Mosaic law, but in addition they were suspected of being thieves. For, this, for these reasons they were looked down upon and were excluded from the company of those who were allowed to give testimony in the courts. They could not even be an eyewitness in a court of law because they were not trusted by society. And I think it's highly significant that these shepherds who could not bear witness in a court of law were given the task of bearing witness to the most important event that's ever happened in human history. God coming to earth. Warren Wearsby writes, Shepherds were outcasts in Israel. Their work not only made them ceremonially unclean, they dealt with manure and blood, so they could not go to the temple. They were ceremonially unclean. But it kept them away from that temple for weeks at a time. So they could not go through the, the, the rituals of being considered or, or made clean. And so the shepherds were looked down upon in society, distrusted, ignored, on the margins. They were social outcasts. And yet, God sends the angel to tell the shepherds first. This means something, doesn't it? It means something. God is showing us here that these outcasts, who were despised in the world, were beloved by God. And this Christ was for them, the, 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 the social outcasts. Not only do we see outcasts in this text enabled to experience the Messiah, we see those from every socioeconomic level. You say, wait a what does it mean to, to, for Christ to be for all the people? It means from every station of life. Outcasts and those who are rich and those who are poor. Look what it says in chapter 2, verse 24. Fast forward uh, to verse 24. It mentions that Mary and Joseph go up to the temple to, uh, to uh, participate in the ceremony of having a new child, a ceremony prescribed by the law of the Lord. And it says in verse 24 that they brought with them for the sacrifice a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, the, the law stipulates in the book of Leviticus that those who were not wealthy enough to provide a, a lamb could bring turtle doves or pigeons. This was a stipulation for those that did not have great economic means. So by virtue of the fact that Mary and Joseph bring turtle doves to the temple means they didn't have a lot of money. And yet, God entrusts them with the Christ child. Even though they were low on the, the economic ladder, uh, they got to experience Jesus. Not only those who were, who were um, low on the socioeconomic ladder, but also those who were wealthy. 
Over in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we see that wise men are led by a star to encounter the Christ. And the Bible calls them kings. Isaiah calls them kings. And, and Matthew 2 calls them magi. They were people of some wealth. They were people of some influence. They were influential uh, uh, people. And, and these magi are led to the Christ. So in the Christmas narrative, we see those who are poor experience. Jesus. We see those who are rich experiencing Jesus. God is saying something. God is saying that Jesus is for everyone regardless of socioeconomic status, right? But also we see in this story that Jesus is for men and women. Men and women. Genders. Look, look what it says back in Luke chapter 2 verse 25. When Mary and Joseph bring Jesus into the temple to dedicate them, it says in verse 25, there was a man named Simeon who was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he sees the Christ, and, and, and God shows him through the Spirit, this is the Messiah, and he rejoices in that. And, and then a little bit later, look what it says in verse 36. There's a, a, a woman there named Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of, of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And so Simeon gets to experience Jesus Anna gets to experience Jesus. We see a man and a woman experiencing Christ. And you say, wait, do you really need to make this point? I mean, we understand that Jesus is for men and women. I mean, why are you, why are you making this point? Because in the first century, women were often marginalized. They were not esteemed. They were not honored. And so for the Gospels to present this Christ who came and was experienced by Simeon and Anna, and all through Jesus' ministry, we see him elevating women and, 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 and working in women's lives and using women in remarkable ways. It was countercultural in the first century for this emphasis to be on women. Who were the first witnesses of the resurrection? Women! The Bible tells us that Jesus came for people from every, every arena of life, every socioeconomic level, and he came for men and women. He came for the prominent. He came for the downtrodden. He came for everyone. And so the phrase, all the people, certainly includes people from every station in life. And that's good news, right? But secondly... This phrase, all the people, includes people from every type of ethnic background. This is important that we get this. People from every type of ethnic background. We see here in Luke chapter 2 that Jesus comes for the Jews. He came through Jewish lineage. He came through the, the line of David. He was born in a Jewish city. Look what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. After the angel announces that he has good news of great joy for all the people. It says in verse 11, Unto you is born this day in the city of David. That's Bethlehem. 
a Savior who is Christ. That's the, the Messiah promised through the Jewish people, the Messiah, the Christ. He calls him the Lord. And so, by virtue of the fact that Jesus came through Jewish lineage, through the descendants of King David, by virtue of the fact that Jesus uh, came and, and was born in a little town called Bethlehem, just outside of Jerusalem, we are reminded that Jesus came for the Jews. But he did not come only for the Jews. And that's good news because I'm not a Jew. And most of you in this room aren't Jews. So aren't you glad that Jesus came for, for not only Jews, but for those who are not Jews? He came for Gentiles. Look what it says in verse 25 of, of Luke chapter 2. We, we just looked at this. I want to show it to you again. Luke 25. It says, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He knew that this Messiah would come for the Jews, for his people. But fast forward and look at the, 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 the Old Testament scriptures that Simeon shares in, in this moment. He, he, he's quoting here Isaiah. He says, Lord, now you're letting your servant, verse 29, you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the, what's the word there? Gentiles. Gentile basically means not a Jew. Gentiles. And for glory to your people Israel. So Simeon recognizes here that Jesus came for the Jews. Jesus came for those who are not Jews. Jesus came for the Gentiles. So in the immediate context of Luke 2, we see that Jesus came for people from every type of ethnic background. But we also see this in the greater context of Scripture. Now look back in verse uh, 10 with me. Notice when it says... All the people. That word people is a translation of a Greek word. The Greek word is laos. L-A-O-S. Laos. That, that's, that's the word used there. And this word laos is used of Jews all throughout the scriptures. But it's also used of Gentiles. It's found over in Acts 15, 14 and Acts 18, verse 10, which clearly speak of Gentile peoples. So this phrase, all the people, laos, speaks of Jews. It speaks of Gentiles. And Jesus uses another word for people in the Great Commission. When he says, go and make disciples of all the nations, that word nations is the Greek word ethne. It's where we get the word ethnicity from. And the word ethne speaks of groups of people who are bound together by language and culture. People groups. It's not, it doesn't mean nations in the sense of geopolitical entities like, you know, France and Belgium and Argentina and Mexico. It speaks of groups of people within those geopolitical entities that are, that are, that are bound together by a common language and by common customs and culture. And so the angel uses the word laos, meaning Jews and Gentiles. And just to make sure we get the point, Jesus uses the word ethne, every people group. And there is a tremendous passage of Scripture that uses both laos and ethne. And I want you to turn there. Turn to Revelation chapter 5. 
Revelation chapter 5, the last book in the Bible. Last book in the Bible. The Apostle John gets, gets a glimpse into heaven to see where human history is headed. And, and I want to show you what he sees in heaven in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. There are living creatures and elders and angels, and they are singing a new song in verse 9, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain by your blood. You ransomed people. That's the word laos, same word used in Luke 2, verse 10. You ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. That's ethne. That's the word Jesus used in the Great Commission. People groups. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So here's the point. Jesus came for every person, Jew or Gentile, and he came for every people group on the face of the planet. Now let me give you a few little facts about people groups because our goal is to reach every person in every people group, every Laos and every ethne. And there are different numbers, they're, they're close, but there are different numbers based upon which missions agency you're looking at. But, but there are basically a little over 11,000, almost 12,000 people groups on the face of the earth. 12,000, all right? Between 11 and 12,000. 7,323 of those are what we call UPGs, or unreached people groups. And here's what that means. It means there's a, a group of people somewhere on the planet, they speak the same language, have the same cultures and customs, and less than 2% of those people identify as evangelical Christian. That means, by and large, this people group is not reached with the gospel. That, that people who live in this people group are dying and going to hell without Christ. And there are over 7,000 of those in the world that we're called to make disciples of. Because Jesus said, make disciples of all the ethne, every people group. Now let me give you another shocking number. Out of those 7,300, there are over 3,000 of those that are called UUPGs, which means unengaged, unreached people groups. Here's what that means. It means this group of people bound together by language and custom and culture is not Christian, and there's no one even trying to tell them about Christ. Here's what that means. In this, this kind of people group, a UUPG, a, a child can be born, grow up, find a career, a vocation, get married, have a family, live into advanced age, and die. And step into eternity, listen, never having heard the name of Jesus. 
And there are over 3,000 of those people groups on the planet, unreached and unengaged. And those thousands of people groups represent tens of millions of people. Most of those unreached people groups are, are concentrated in a, in a place on the globe called the, the 1040 window, speaking of the latitude, 10 degrees and 40 degrees. And if you look at South Asia and, and East Asia and, and, and Southeast Asia, that's where most of these unengaged, unreached people groups are located. Middle East, that's where they are. And they're unengaged for a reason. They're hard to get to. They're hard to reach. Some of the governments don't allow missionaries to publicly make disciples or to, to share Christ. And yet, Christ says, make disciples of all nations. The angel says, this Christ who is born in the city of David is for all the people. He's for everyone. And so our task becomes clear, doesn't it? We who know Jesus are to take the name of Jesus to every one of these people groups. That must be our... That's why we do missions. That's why we give to Lottie Moon and, and, and take short-term trips and, and, and ask people in our congregations, are you called to go? Are you called to leave here and go plant your life somewhere in a cross-cultural setting so you can live and, and, and share Christ and make disciples and start churches because there are people in this world who have never heard the name of Christ. I take two of my kids to school every morning and there's a podcast through an organization called Joshua Project, and the podcast is called Unreached People of the Day. It's one minute, every day, one minute. And on this podcast, they tell you about an unreached people group somewhere in the world. They give you a little bit of facts about them and give you some ways you can pray for them. So with my daughter, Abby Faith, and my youngest, Connor, we pray on our way to school for unreached people groups. We pray for, uh, lately we've been praying for the Bedouin people in Algeria and the Bedouin people in Libya. We prayed for a people group called the Chitari in Bhutan recently. And so we're praying for these different people groups that are unengaged and unreached. And God would thrust out laborers as Lord of the harvest. He would send out laborers to go and tell them about Jesus. He would open up their hearts and open up doors. And, and people would go and they would respond. And, and, and people would be saved and the church would, 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 would proliferate and Jesus would reign. And we pray every morning for underage people group. And, and one day we were driving down the road. It was just me and Connor. Connor's seven. And uh, Connor was thinking about this, apparently. He was sitting in the back seat just thinking. He said, Dad. He said, it would be good if there wasn't an unreached people of the day, wouldn't it? In his little mind, he understood It'd be good if these people knew Jesus and had people there engaging them with the gospel. It'd be good if we didn't have to pray for these people because they know Christ. And I said, yes, son, it'd be good if there weren't that many unreached people groups. And the angel announces to the shepherds 
good news, great joy for all the people, Jews, Gentiles, every people group. Southerners in the United States, Midwesterners, folks in California, the Northeast, Bedouins in Algeria. He's for everyone. This is the news that we are privileged to proclaim. That's why missions is not just a program of the church. Listen, it's who we are. It's what we do. It's why God left us here. To make his name known to our community and among all the peoples. So let me summarize what I've been saying. All the people includes those from every station in life. It includes people from every type of ethnic background. Hey, hey, by the way, let me just, this is a quick little aside, if you'll give me a second. If, if Jesus came for people from every ethnic background, do you see how silly and wicked racism is? It, it, listen, racism is totally incongruent with the gospel because Jesus came with, for all the people. And, and if you highlight a group of people for whatever reason and say, I don't like you, you're forgetting the fact that Jesus died for them too. That was a quick aside. I'll thank you for that. Back to the regularly scheduled sermon. But how would you sum up this idea that Jesus is for all the people? Well, the Bible has a verse that really sums this up well. It's found in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Listen to what Galatians 3, 28 says about the gospel. There's neither at the foot of the cross, listen, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's Paul's way of saying the, the gospel is for everyone. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen? So here's the conclusion. This is in your notes. Christmas is for everyone. And its full meaning can be experienced by anyone that embraces Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know, my, uh, my heart aches. I, I, I love Christmas. I, mean, I do. I, I just love this time of year. Special with our family and friends and I just love this time of year. I love what Christmas represents. But my, my heart aches for those that will exchange gifts this season without understanding or recognizing that the greatest gift that's ever been given is Jesus. My heart aches for those that will hang lights on their house and on their Christmas tree and really have no clue or concept that Jesus is the light of the world. 
My heart aches for those that will put a star on top of their Christmas tree and won't think once about the supernatural star that led the wise men to worship Christ. My heart aches for those that will go through this Christmas season without the Christ. And and there are people right here in the Emerald Coast region of the world who are walking through the Christmas season without Christ. Oh, how we need to let our light shine. And there are people all over this world who are lost in their sins, far from God, headed for a Christless eternity, and millions of them have never even heard the name of Jesus. In fact, there's a quote by J. Oswald Smith that says, We talk of the second coming. Half of the world has never heard of the first. Jesus is for all the people. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.